greatest nation in the world. A breath of fresh air. Common sense. Very impressive. He's articulate and he knows exactly what we need. Herman Cain. Herman Cain. Solutions for a better America. Good morning. It's Scott Slade in Atlanta, Georgia at our flagship station. I'm honored to take the host share and we're going to put some incredible people in the analyst seats this morning to talk about what happened in the pivotal Northeast primaries, beginning with Pennsylvania and going on down to Rhode Island. I'm joined by the Herman Cain. Hello, the ta- Scott. The talkmaster, Neil Bortz. Hiya, hiya. Hiya, hiya. Our Washington correspondent, Jamie Dupree, among the speaking. Good morning, sir. Hello, Scott. And our political analyst from our flagship station in Atlanta, WSB's Bill Crane from CSI Crane. Brother Crane, good to have you with good us. Good morning. I just want to dig in. Overview first, gentlemen. What happened in the Northeast uh, last night, sweeping up nearly all the delegates in the Northeast primaries, is Donald Trump. And, and Herman Cain, I just want your take. You know, what, is this, what does this mean? Well, I happen to think that first on the Democrat side, the fix has been in for Hillary all along. They're just amusing the Democrat voters by making it appear as if this is an election. No, this is a selection process on the Democrat side. So nothing surprises me. And Hillary just about has this thing wrapped up. On the Republican side, the fact that Donald Trump won overwhelmingly, I think, is the big surprise coming out of yesterday. He was expected to win based upon the polls, but when he beat the poll numbers so big, I think that that sent a very strong message. And it's quite simply, the American people, they want their voice to be heard, whether the establishment, the media, the liberals like it or not. Jamie Dupree, it's great to speak to you again, and you had some delegate math up on your blog this morning on uh, just what happened on Tuesday, and uh, it was just a handful of delegates to Kasich and Cruz, and everything else went to Trump. Yeah, and just want to say first, Scott, and uh, Herman, Neil, hello to everybody. I'm not going to last very long here, but it's good to be back, even for a minute or two. Good to have you, buddy. Sure is. I would say yep. this. Uh, it is... Uh, I would agree with Herman. I think we are already headed toward November, and that is uh, both Trump and Hillary Clinton against each other. Yeah, we get a few more things going on, uh, but I would think that that's really, barring some unforeseen disaster, that's where we're headed. The de- I mean, look at the delegates last night. Mm-hmm. Trump got about 150, Kasich, I think, got five, and Cruz got three. Now, I know enough about numbers to know that's called a blowout. Yep. And a big blowout. And you're not going to slow down. I would think the momentum will be there for Trump in Indiana next week, especially. All right. Brother Bortz, good to talk to you yeah. again. What are you thinking about what, what, what happened? You had an interesting comment this morning about what happened. Well, don't you think the Bortz bus is quiet? Uh, I'm pushing 50, uh, uh, 56,000 pounds down Interstate 95 right now while I'm talking to you. So if you hear a loud crash and screaming that, <laughs> well, okay. Now that we've got that work, pull over, out. Neil. Yeah, come on. No, hell no. This is network radio. Come on. You don't pull over sixty-three feet. Uh, where, where am I going to pull over? Uh, but I do have earbuds on. Okay. Okay. Well, that's a start. At yeah, least your yeah, hands free. Now, I cannot believe, Scott Slade, that I actually said something interesting this morning. What would that have been? Well, you, 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 you were assigning either fault or credit for the ascendancy of Donald Trump this morning. Well, I mean, nobody, nobody would want to take credit for that, so you have to assign <laughs> fault. Uh, but you're not, you're not surprised uh, at, at what happened yesterday. Look, let's face it, the primary process is over. It is done. Donald Trump is going to be the GOP nominee. Uh, Hillary Clinton is, is and was always going to be the Democrat nominee. Now, the media 
those evil media people will try to keep this alive as long as they can because of ratings. Yes. Keep people watching. Keep people listening. Mm-hmm. Let's make Indiana a big deal. Indiana isn't a big deal except <laughs> one day a year. <laughs> what is it? Memorial Day or whatever they <laughs> You mean the Indianapolis 500? That's it. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Herman. You win. You win the prize, Herman. The only day of the year that Indiana matters to the rest of the country. And when Jim Neighbors goes tango uniform, that's not going to matter anymore anyway. Now, so, I got two affiliates in Indiana, so I want my Indiana listeners, I'm not saying that. That's Neil Bortz who's putting y'all down, okay? They don't matter. <laughs> but at any rate, this is over. We're into the general election now. Uh, and uh, I, I swear to you, I don't know. It's going to be a disaster one way or the other. Do we want it to be our disaster, or do we want it to be their disaster? So that's that's the question we address now. Uh, Bill Crane, uh, weigh in on all this here. Uh, your your uh, take of what happened in the Northeast primaries and what that means for the rest of the race. Donald Trump killed it. I don't quite know why by the margins that he picked up, as Herman noted earlier today on his show, why he was 10, 12, 14 points in public case ahead of the, all the full all poll averages and forecasts for the election. I, you know, I know when the history of this election is written, there'll be a lot of conjecture, but what, what wheel came off the bus or what magically worked in those new hires with his campaign. Uh, for Hillary, I have to agree with Neil, the Democratic side is largely over, so we'll look to see if Bernie Sanders' tone will change as they go into Indiana and California. On the GOP side, though, I do agree mathematically, it's essentially Donald Trump's uh, one of the few times he wasn't really overstating when he called himself last night the presumptive nominee. I would say he is the presumptive nominee, but there is still the opportunity presented by California and Indiana to a lesser extent. If the numbers he has now where he's leading there by reasonably healthy margins look anything like they did last night, it's a dot. But there is there are still a handful of contests left, and he still has to get 50% of the delegates in those contests. If he performs as he did last night, that number for the additional delegates in California can drop as low as 30%. Scott, let's oh yeah, and Beyonce could tell me she wants me uh, tomorrow. That's not going. That's not going to happen either. Have you seen her new video? She might want you. Okay, lemonade. <laughs> yes, lemonade. Who want to hook up with that after that video? Well, she swings a mean bat, Neil. Scott, let me respond to what Bill raised, and that is yes. the why. And he said that would be a lot of conjecture. Well, I've already started my conjecture as to why Trump won so overwhelmingly. Number one. That was so much political noise surrounding this whole race all the way from the beginning that I think a lot of voters look past the noise because one of the things that we have emphasized on this show constantly is folks don't get sucked in by the noise. Now, Trump played the liberal media and the media like a fiddle by basically throwing the noise out there and let them chase it. But I think a lot of people woke up and they are looking past that. Secondly, I think the alliance between Cruz and Kasich turn off some Cruz supporters and some Kasich supporters, and they didn't vote for the other guy in the alliance. Some of them, this is just a conjecture, went and voted for Trump, either in protest or in disappointment. And that's interesting. Jamie Dupree, would you buy that, that this uh, that alliance wound up energizing uh, Donald Trump's voters? I don't or? know if it energized anyone, but I would bet that it didn't really make a difference overall. I mean, if you look at the numbers last night for both of them, mm-hmm. uh, neither of them had much to stand on in any of those states that voted last night. And I, I just don't see that in Indiana either. So in the end, Trump may not have the numbers now, but I just feel like that he's 
he's overwhelming everybody. I mean, he obliterated them last night. There is no other way to put it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Fifty. Uh, the latest tracker I've seen. Uh, Donald Trump needs fifty percent of the remaining delegates. Uh, to, to clinch this thing. It, it, can anyone uh, say anything now about the possibility of a contested convention, or is what happened yesterday pretty well blow that out of the water, too? Yeah, I still believe that we weren't going there. There was a chance, but I think now that's over. I mean, yes, we still have to vote a few times here, but I just don't think that's going to occur in Cleveland. Any okay, thoughts? I have a question. Yes. Sorry. I have a... Uh, how many of you actually think Trump can win the general election. I do. I this do. Herman. Good. Herman, I, I do. Jamie, Dupree do does. Too? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I think. Hey, Herman. Yes. I've been, I've been around the block a few times. I can know the difference between your voice and Herman's. I oh, okay. I, I just wanted to make sure that your ears had not, you know, uh, gotten clogged and you couldn't recognize the voice. Neil, you're arranging your well, tackle box there? What are you doing there? <laughs> Well, I'm just, there's a blue hair in front of me, and she's just going so damn slow. Okay. I told you to pull over. Here's why I believe Trump can win the general election. Oh, this is good. This is out of control. Well, I tell you, this is entertaining with him driving his it big, really big, big is. bus. Really, is. While okay. We're okay, Herman, we're trying to pick the next why, president. Why do you believe that Trump can win the general? And this is this is this, and this flies in the face of the hypothetical polling that, that a lot of people exactly. trot out. Okay, and the reason I here's why: there were some polls that said that Trump could not attract the women's vote. Well, he attracted 57 percent of the women's vote in New York, and he attracted over 50% for some of the states yesterday. All of these uh, assumptions out there about what he cannot do, I think that those have been manipulated for the purpose of trying to discourage people from voting for Trump. Secondly, when he focuses on Hillary and he says he really hadn't focused on her yet, I think he's going to be able to make a lot of ground. He's going to attract some Democrat voters and the more and more women that hear his message are going to say they're not going to vote for Hillary just because she's a woman. She is going to try to play the woman's card, the race card, to death in order to try to win. And I think he's going to hammer her on that. So I don't think the poll or the, the, the soundbite that says he can't win, I think it is false. Bill Crane, uh, jump in on that. Well, I think the challenge is there beyond Donald Trump's candidacy and some of the issues and challenges he's presented for himself. There was a gender gap for Mitt Romney. There was a gender gap for John McCain. And so whoever the GOP nominee in a nation that's 54% female electorate starts there. If Hillary is, and we assume she will be the Democratic nominee, she will do well among women. I agree with Herman that the, uh, that their campaign has made inroads, but if you look at New York State as the example he cited, Hillary Clinton got a million one hundred thousand votes to Donald Trump's five hundred twenty-four thousand votes. I don't see a lot of blue states, other than swing states, shifting back red on his candidacy. And the challenge is for the GOP nominee, whomever he is, and we assume for the moment it's Donald Trump. They've got to do a clean sweep and bring back Virginia, Ohio, Florida, Colorado. And if you're listening, Ohio is where he's been insulting John Kasich. Rubio is little Marco. In Florida, I'm not saying the party won't heal, but there's a lot of wounds and a lot of ground to cover between now and the July convention. But well, on the subject of these of these women voters, Hillary is going to absolutely own the single mother vote. Now, I'm not talking about divorced mothers. I'm talking about 
single women, not married, who made a conscious decision to have a baby they can't afford to raise. And they're going to look at Hillary and the Democrat Party to help them raise their baby. She owns that vote. There is nothing the Republican Party can do except abandon all of its principles to attract that voting group uh, to Hillary Clinton. Uh, I just, if whatever percentage of the women's vote Trump's get, uh, Trump gets, more power to him. That's a heck of an accomplishment. I think, I think you're right about the single mothers that they're going to go with Hillary because she's promising a lot of more free stuff. But I hear from more and more married women that they are not going to vote for Hillary just because she's a woman, because married women have the same concerns as men, and that is, what about the economy? My kids may go to war. Or is it going to be a war that is worth them putting their lives, lives on the line and this sort of thing? So I agree with you on that portion of the women vote, but I also happen to hear from a whole lot more that they're not going to vote for her, period. And Jamie Dupree, the last word to you here in this segment. Uh, I guess I would say this, guys. Uh, everybody told me that Trump could never run, that he could never win a primary, that he could never win a caucus, that he could never win anything, and he keeps doing it, that he couldn't win the nomination. And it looks like he will do that. So I guess why not in November? But I agree with others. It will be an uphill road for him for a number of reasons. When you're listening to Herman Cain, Cain, you won't miss any breaking news. And you'll never miss out on a single solution for a better America. Herman Cain is on Coast to Coast. Scott Slade here with Herman Cain, Neil Bortz, Jamie Dupree, and our political analyst Bill Crane coming up here in this special hour. How about a possible Bernie Sanders role in the Hillary Clinton campaign? What would that be? Hi, this is Scott Slade on a special hour of the Herman Cain Show, along with Herman Cain, Neil Bortz, Jamie Dupree and political analyst Bill Crane. Atlanta Journal-Constitution political insider Jim Galloway said something interesting last night about a possible role for Bernie Sanders going forward. I, I don't know what he wants. I, I know that he, what he may become, and that is he may become kind of the uh, Hillary Clinton's diplomat to millennial and younger voters, and Gen, Gen X voters, the, the ones that she could not reach that he has done so well with. How about that, Neil Bortz? Bernie Sanders could be Hillary's bridge to younger women. Oh, yeah. Any port in a storm. This is a guy that wasn't even a Democrat until he decided he wanted to give this presidency thing. But who better? Who better to uh, represent her to the millennials, to the participation trophy generation, to the safe space generation, to the people who have have all. Did you see that USA Today last week? They had one of their little graphics. Eighty eight percent. Eighty eight percent of young people in high school believe that they have the answers uh, to solving uh, the problem with Islamic terrorism, uh, global warming, and world poverty. Uh, You need somebody like Bernie Sanders to appeal to these people. Anybody. Herman? I don't think Bernie Sanders' appeal to young people will last much past the convention. Here's why. More and more young people are looking behind the curtain, and they are seeing that all of this free stuff is not free. Now, I know Hillary is also selling free stuff. Bernie is selling free stuff even more than she is. A lot of young people are waking up. I don't think it's going to last. It won't stick. Well, let's move it along here. I guess the next obvious subject is who's going to drop out? 
who's going to drop out first, when it's going to happen. We'll talk about that in this special hour of the Herman Cain Show. Stay with us. Listening to a special hour of the Herman Cain Show. I'm Scott Slade, hosting from Atlanta with Herman Cain, Neil Bortz, our Washington correspondent Jamie Dupree, and our political analyst Bill Crane from CSI Crane. What the candidates were saying after the Northeast primary results came in last evening. As far as I'm concerned, it's over. These two guys cannot win. There's no path. This campaign moves back to more favorable terrain. The election is not over yet. Mr. Trump accused me of playing the quote woman card. If Hillary Clinton were a man, I don't think she'd get 5% of the vote. Deal me in. And the beautiful thing is, women don't like her. Herman Cain, uh, which of those voices do you think we might not be hearing from in the near future? <laughs> Hillary. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> All right, I guess the better question is, you know, who, who you will know, be dropping the, out? The handwriting is on the wall, even though Ted Cruz and John Kasich don't want to read the handwriting, you know. And... The, the thing is, their staffs, and I know this from personal experience, are probably telling them, hang in there. I don't know who came up with this alliance, but I know that their staffs are probably encouraging them, hang in there all the way to the convention. You still have a shot. That's what they're hearing. And I think it's going to be at the convention that they finally realize what's happening, especially if Trump puts this away with 1,237. Bill Crane, do you think it's uh, is it hanging there because I have a shot, or hanging there because I got a shot at paying my bills? You know, what do you think it is? There, there's both, and until last night, and arguably New York State, which I thought was sort of a an anathema last week, forty percent of GOP primary voters in multiple polls are saying they may not be able to push the button for Donald Trump in the fall, and as many as fifty and sixty percent of primary voters in multiple states were not selecting Donald Trump, but as Herman and others have alluded to, either people are coming around or the folks who are not able to vote for Donald are less enthused and are not showing up in the remaining contest. I think think that they eventually will. You know, hurt feelings take time to heal. And a lot of people's feelings are hurt because they dug in the hills against Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. And I think once it's inevitable, like Neil alluded to earlier, that Trump is going to be the nominee. And if he does, in fact, clinch the nomination... Well, give it a little time, and when they, when Trump and his people start highlighting all of the bad things that could happen with a Hillary Clinton as president, I think many of them may come around. Neil Bortz, who do you think's a in? Lot of bad Look, a lot of bad things can happen with Hillary as president, uh, especially in the area of Supreme Court nominations and what have you. But look, a lot of bad things can happen with Trump as president, too. Uh, the man has never made a coherent, in-depth policy statement on any issue as long as—it's easy to say, build a wall, I'm going to make them pay for it. But he's never really gone in-depth on anything. Maybe today, when he gives his foreign policy speech, all of a sudden the brilliance of Trump is going to emerge and will astound us all. Uh, but you know what? I'm not betting on it. Now, my my whole thing has been either one of these people, Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton as president, will be bad for this country, will be harmful 
to this country. Now, now the, the question is, do you want it to be their person who is hurting the country or your person who is hurting the country? Now, that, Neil, is where I have to take issue with you because I don't agree. I don't agree that Donald Trump is going to hurt the country. Secondly, when you say that he hasn't been specific, he was the first one to get specific about replacing the tax code. It wasn't as strong as I would have liked. It wasn't as strong as you would have liked. But he was the first one to put that out there. You didn't hear about it. Why? The media doesn't want you to hear content. They want to continue to address all of the frivolous stuff and make that into a news story. He put that on his website. He even talked about it first, and it didn't stay out there in the news. Here's why I don't think, here's another reason why I don't think he's going to hurt this country. What a lot of people don't realize or know or believe about Donald Trump is that he surrounds himself with good people and he does listen. I know a young man that worked for him for seven years, reporting to him directly. And I talked to him about Trump's leadership style. He does listen. That's why I don't think he's going to be bad for the country. Uh, Jamie Dupree. Well, I think that's better than Obama. Obama won't listen. He won't listen, and we know that. Uh, Jamie Jamie Dupree, have you had any advance at all on what uh, Donald Trump will talk about in that noontime speech in Washington? No, I haven't seen anything about that yet. You know, he's given some speeches before, and I would assume this is going to be one that will sort of follow through on uh, more details, like Neil was discussing there, about what he believes in certain areas, etc. As to the issue of who might drop out, Scott, uh, look, the momentum right now is not running for either Ted Cruz or John Kasich. And as Herman knows very well, the money begins to dry up. And if Trump wins in Indiana next week, I really think it's very hard for both Cruz and Kasich to survive. Well, let's talk about that. We uh, Neil touched on this briefly last half hour for our new listeners here. You know, a lot is being made of what will matter in Indiana. And, and Ted Cruz is putting an awful lot of uh, chickens in that uh, in that coop. What do you think? Will Indiana really matter either way when you get right down to it? Well, my opinion, based upon something that Shane shared with me earlier, we thought that the 4 o'clock announcement was going to be an endorsement by Governor Pence. Now, I don't know whether we can believe what was coming off of social media, but it was saying that Governor Pence was not going to be at that rally. If that is true, then the other speculation is he might announce a VP candidate. Now, Jamie, didn't you tell me you're not allowed to do that? No, you can do that. It's uh, you can't promise a position in your cabinet to anybody. Or an ambassadorship. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. But but he could announce that that a certain person, and they've been talking about Carla Fiorina. It might be somebody else. He could announce who his VP selection yes. would be. He can do yes, that. You're okay. right. Got it. Yeah. In fact, uh, I think Carl, CNN's reporting that Carl, Carly Fiorina has uh, supplied tax returns to the Cruz campaign to vet. So that that at least is, is some sort of step. All right. So when do we really start? We started hearing more about the general election campaign issues. You know, when do they get out of primary mode? When do you get right down to it? After Indiana. They, they should be out now. Yeah. But yeah. they'll, Indiana, they'll, I mean, they're already raising money in that regard. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. they will not start spending money. And, and to your point, Scott, about when did the general election kick off? It will still be after the conventions in August. If there Trump, will be money spent by the super PACs before then. But the campaigns will wait for that FEC match to have more money in their titties to get the bigger, larger match and then start spending their media heavy around Labor Day. If Trump wins by the margins that he won yesterday in Indiana, it is over. And then they then would start looking forward to how they're going to spend their money. I'm sure that the Trump campaign has already developed a number of 
you know, beat Hillary ads and this sort of thing. The question would be, when are they going to start spending the money in order to do it? Knowing Trump, the way he's run his campaign up to this point, he's going to rely upon, I think they call it uh, earned media. I call it free media. You know, throw something out there oh, yeah. like a rabbit and hope that they chase the rabbit down the rabbit trail. They've been I, doing I a lot of that. I think once he has both FEC match money and the party lining up behind him, if he's the nominee and he's not loaning and slash self-funding anymore, uh, he will be more likely to be spending competitively. Hillary Clinton, if she's the Democratic nominee, will drop several hundred million dollars on the air. And if he doesn't respond in kind, she will define him in a way that some of his opponents tried. Not so much, again, for the voters who support Trump, but for the swing voters and for the Democratic Party's base and for libertarians and others to not vote for Trump. Right. Has anybody ever quantified how much Donald Trump has been worth in terms of advertising revenue yes. and increased yes. viewership and listenership to well, the media? Well, well, the amount of free media he's got. See if you guys buy this figure. I've heard somewhere around $2 billion, and he has spent, what, Herman, it's less than $100 million. I mean, it's less yes. than $50 million, isn't it? Yes. That, that num- That's that, very efficient. The, the range that you have alluded to, whether the numbers are exact or not, is exactly what has happened. Because I've seen some other estimates where, on for various state campaigns, it's just, it's almost unbelievable the amount per vote that Donald Trump spent versus some of these other folks. For example, when, spent, yeah. yeah, a little, I'm sorry. Because when Jeb Bush was in, I mean, it was astronomical the amount of money that he was spending, sure. and he wasn't moving the needle. So it's the, the difference is as wide as the Grand Canyon when it comes to the value of his media coverage and how much money he's actually spent. Now, I'll make a prediction that I think no one on this panel will disagree with, which is rare. And that is that the networks are going to return to near gavel to gavel coverage, at least of the GOP convention. Yes. The way only C-SPAN has provided for the last two or three Republican conventions. Because if nothing else, Donald Trump makes for great reality TV. And, and Neil, well, to your point, go, go ahead, Neil. Can, oh, the Republican convention may be more exciting outside the convention hall than it is inside. That's As true. That was the case with the Democratic convention in 68. I, I agree with you, but that. Today, they can do a lot more and a lot lighter with live television remotes dropping cameras basically on someone's hat uh, that they couldn't yeah. do 10 years ago, 12 years ago, 20 years ago. I would agree with Neil that if Trump ultimately secures the nomination, there's going to be so much. When? When? Okay. I, okay, Neil, I yield. <laughs> it's going to be, every, you're going to have groups, liberals, Democrats, everybody going to try to disrupt the convention because of Trump. You're going to have every one of them out there trying to create a scene to disrupt it. And uh, you can just expect it. Why? Because they believe that the only way to help Hillary is to try and hurt Trump or to hurt the Republicans, and they're going to create chaos, and then they're going to try to blame it on on Trump. Herman, I hope they do, because, uh, well, in, in Let's say if I was supporting Trump, I would hope that they did, because every demonstration, every rock or Molotov cocktail thrown at the cops, every occupation, every one of these things is going to mean more votes for Donald Trump and more people that will say, that does it, I'm showing up to vote on Election Day. Good point. Good point. On the other side of all this, as all the free media and uh, taking advantage of the anger wave and the rest uh, for the Donald Trump campaign so far, are we seeing evidence in the fact that these Northeast primaries, uh, the Trump folks, the Trump campaign, widely 
outperformed the polls' predictions. Are we now seeing the evidence of a new ground game from Donald Trump and some of these new hires? Yes. And I'm surprised that they were able to get a ground game together this quickly. But that just shows that, you know, if you have the right people in place, and I'm assuming that the, the guy that he hired is really doing it. And, and here's an interesting thing. This morning, Trump was asked the question, you know, is there some disharmony within his team? He said, no. Uh, Manafort, Paul Manafort, his charge was to go out and work with the delegates. Corey Lewandowski is still running a lot of the back office and a lot of the campaign stuff. Those are two separate jobs. And he said they get along just fine. But the media wants you to believe that they have some disharmony. So that means that Manafort has been focusing on mm -hmm. today and going forward, you know, working with the delegates to try to basically uh, let them know what he stands for. And disharmony makes you know, no harmony two hours on. Yes. When yeah. we see that speech, I think we'll know after the. Um, foreign policy speech this afternoon when Mr. Trump's on a teleprompter for only the second time that I'm aware of in a public appearance during this campaign cycle. And if he sticks to that script, I think we'll start to see if he's listening and if those new senior staff make a difference. Right. Do you, do you buy the prediction that Hillary Clinton officially wraps the Democratic nomination by mid-May? Oh, yeah. Okay. She's already wrapped it up. The fix has she been has. in, the been in for her all along. So, yeah, nope. mid-May, it'll be official. And will we wait to California before it's uh, official for Donald Trump? I think it'll take California, yes. Anybody else on that? Yeah, it probably well, you're, will, you're but I think we'll know before then. Again, if he wins yeah. Indiana, I think we know where this is going for sure. Neil? Well, you're talking about official. You're talking about official versus assured. Right. It's already assured. California, official. Neil deals in assuredness. Some of us deal in officialdom. No, and I, and I will note that I see. I will note that I see a reporter has tweeted out that Carly Fiorina is in Indiana, isn't in Indianapolis. So you never know if that's the announcement today for Cruz. Yes. Wait and see, ladies and gentlemen. Breaking news, experience, and insight. Herman Kane brings it to you every day on the radio and at hermancain.com. You know, I think it's 25% of the voters are actually engaged in the primary. What's going to matter to the other 75% once these nominations are more than assured? The only card she has is the woman's card. She's got nothing else going. If fighting for women's health care and paid family leave and equal pay is playing the woman card, then deal me in! All right, look for that hashtag from the Clinton campaign, <laughs> hashtag deal me in. Our final thoughts, Herman Cain, looking ahead, what's going to matter most here as we move ahead in the next couple of months? Less political noise and a little bit more substance. Because when you get it down to the Republican nominee versus the Democrat nominee, hopefully the media will be forced to report more substance on the various candidates. That's what I see. Because right now when you've got all of these, when you had all of the candidates, even though it's now down to three too much political noise, and hopefully people will see more substance. How about it, Neil Bortz? Moving forward. The media, the media is, we always knew it would be, in the tank for the Democrat nominee uh, as soon as uh, the Republican contest is over and Trump is assured. Look for the media to unload on Donald Trump to reveal months, if not years, of research on the man, to bring out people who were individually harmed and destroyed by his multiple bankruptcies 
it's going to be a field day on the part of the media. All right. Then, uh, Jamie Dupree, what's your thinking? Uh, my thinking is that Indiana next week could be it, really. If if Trump wins there, uh, I just don't see how we can go on and, and imagine that there's a race overall. But we'll see what the voters say. And our political analyst, Bill Crane, what are you thinking, buddy? Momentum. Americans love winners, and they love to glom to them. And less rancor among the candidates in both fields. Any thoughts of what will be the, will there be a, an overriding issue between now and Election Day and the general the election? Economy. The economy. Immigra- immigration the economy. Immigration and the economy. Yep. Anybody else? I'm the only one that's going to say we're going to see another act of terrorism that's going to steal the spotlight. Wow. Well, if that happens, that benefits Donald Trump. You might be yeah, right. Yeah, I think it does. Yep. And gentlemen, I hope you're wrong about that. But I appreciate your thoughts. Scott Slade here along with Herman Cain, Neil Borch, Jamie Dupree, and our political analyst Bill Crane. Boiling down what might very well wind up be a pivotal moment in the campaign, the Northeast primaries. Thanks for listening. <laughs>